Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the All Might Be Edified Discussions on Servant Leadership. I'm Keith Pankow, and I have the wonderful privilege to be here with Alicia Wolf, who's a great friend of mine. And Alicia is a life and leadership coach, a mother of two young girls, a wife, an entrepreneur, a speaker, and a full-time traveler. She is the founder of Integrate Well Coaching. Alicia studied organizational leadership at Gonzaga University and continued her education in women's leadership after that. She has supported hundreds of female and male leaders step into the best versions of themselves, both professionally and personally. In the past five years, Alicia has learned and unlearned what truly matters to her and has built a life that lives into that. Alicia is a heck yes to things that matter to her and let the rest slide. She is a visionary and one of Alicia's core values is possibility, but she is also known as the queen of practicality because Alicia can take a bold vision or goal and help her clients create a clear pathway to success through little shifts and practical steps. Alicia knows living a big life doesn't just come from daydreaming and vision boards and her clients get clear, simple, practical tools to help them create the life they love. Alicia puts the ha in hard work. She knows that development, self-discovery, and personal growth can really be challenging, but slightly less challenging when you can laugh your way through it. Well, welcome, Alicia. So excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Keith. It's so awesome to be here. And so I'm so grateful to be reconnecting with you again after so many years. Yeah, me too. It was interesting. I first met Alicia in an REI. I was in Spokane visiting Gonzaga and one of my many opportunities to visit the campus there while I was working on my master's degree. And I don't even remember what got us talking, but we realized that we were both preparing for the same class, getting ready in a, just not too long to go for this or leadership and hardiness class where we would have the opportunity to study resiliency in organizations and then put ourselves to the test and go climb Mount Adams and study our own resiliency and hardiness. And we started talking and chatting and it was just, I knew really quickly that Alicia was a special person. And it's funny in her bio, she talks about putting the ha into hard work and she just had this light and glow about her where you knew that she was a fun person to be around from that first interaction. And I experienced that on the mountain the whole way up. It was a hard, challenging climb. And even all the way up to the summit, she did put the ha in hard work. We had a good time. I think if I remember correctly, and you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think you had an issue with your socks at some point on that trip. And you still, you had smiles the whole way. We had to change out some socks or borrow some socks and you just kept going, plugging around, big smiles. And, you know, from that meeting in REI to the climb, just continue to smile and put that ha on hard work. And what a phenomenal trait to have. Could you talk a little bit more about how you make that a part of your life? Thank you. Yeah, it's fun to go down memory lane and picture that moment. I actually had had forgotten about the it wasn't a sock issue. It was a shoe issue. And that's because where we met in REI, I was renting boots. And so I, I was not the avid outdoorsman that perhaps my aura portrayed. And so when I signed up for leadership and hardiness and our capstone to that was to summit Mount Adams together, I had no idea what I was doing. I hadn't trained at all. And I just rolled into REI and I tried to do it, you know, as inexpensively as I could. So I rented those boots and they were total rubbish. They are awful. And so I remember my shins were like bleeding. I mean, it was this whole thing. And our colleague, our peer, Charlie, 
was like, well, I have this pair of sneakers if you want to use those. Instead, we got to base camp and I just could not put those boots back on for the summit, right? And Charlie said, I've got these pair of, of sneakers. And I said, I'll use them. So I took a pair of men's size 11 sneakers and like duct taped them to my feet. And that's how I finished the climb. That's how I finished the summit. And it's so interesting to think about like what that's a metaphor for like how that is representative of how I sort of approach life. The hard, hard work. I like to say that I have the ability to make things light intense, not heavy intense. So there's things that come up throughout our lives that they're heavy, you know, they're, they're intense things that we're processing and, and all the different life stages and to bring levity to it through possibility is what's my signature style. So it's not to make light of our personal challenges or our clients or people in our community, but it's simply to say, wow, that's really hard. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. What else is possible here? And to sort of shift into a possibility that creates a lightness rather than staying in the, in the heaviness. So I think that sneaker example is, is a great representation of that. That's right. I remember now it was becoming clear as you talked about it. Oh, what a funny and wonderful story. And I like how you describe that bringing levity into the possibility. That's a great description of that. And, you know, I think it's important not to make light of it because we don't want to belittle and diminish the challenges that people face. And so that's important. And what a great reframing of that mm. challenge and to honor the challenge that people face as well. So I really like that. I, it's such a great thought. You could have easily quit though and given up. I mean, that was a very hard, hard challenge for many of our classmates. And I think somewhere around half the class actually achieved the summit, which you and mm -hmm. I were some of those people that achieved the summit. And I remember thinking about that. And I've talked about that a little bit on the podcast about how one of the realizations that I had, and I think it goes back to your comment about levity in the, in the hardship and the trial is, is that what I realized is that each of us has our different summit in life and mm. each of our circumstances. And I realized that everyone's experience on that mountain in that trip taught them something about resiliency, taught them something about hardiness. And mm -hmm. I thought that the only success for that trip was summiting the mountain when I first started that climb. Mm. I was grossly wrong in my assessment of that class. And it taught me a great deal. And I wonder, as you approach that focus of levity, does that help you reframe that to see people's summits a little quicker and see how you can approach that framework in a new light? Yeah, that's such a great way to prompt that thought and that question. As stated in the bio that you shared, one of my core values is possibility. And I was speaking to my husband recently about this. And he said, one of my greatest gifts is that I can see the world for what it can be when a lot of people can see the world for as it is. And so when I work with clients and I'm working with my children and my family and in my community, I sense I have a gift of seeing what could be and seeing a possibility before they can. And that's why clients come to me is because they can't see that possibility. They can't see that their best life is possible and within reach and their happiness and their fulfillment and the things that they want. They, they have a hard time seeing that. They don't know how to see that. And I believe that it is just naturally in my ingrained in my DNA to be able to see a possibility. And that does create a levity, right? It's because it's like, yeah, I see that for you, of course. And they're like, 
like, really? I, I don't even know if I see that for myself. And that's where the partnership comes in of like working together to both step into that possibility together. And there's just a lightness. Even when I say the word possibility or there's like my shoulders are just open and I can sit up more proudly and there just feels like a lightness and, and a pride to it. Yeah, I like that possibility. And even the words we say have power, right? They have meaning. And sometimes we, the way we frame our thoughts and our ideas can be very limiting. And mm -hmm. we change that. If we, like you said, the word possibility is very enhancing. It's very opening. And yes. you just, the, the listeners obviously can't see it because this is just audio only, but Alicia lit up and she lifted up. And so I think that word does that to us. And we do need to think about the words we use and the way we approach people and even the way we help them visualize themselves and others. Because when we do that in a way that empowers them and lifts themselves up in their own mind, it allows them to think about themselves with greater possibilities mm -hmm. for their own selves. And I know that one of the things that you have a real gift for is both leading yourself and also helping others lead themselves mm -hmm. in a great way. And and that comes through personal discipline and practice. And how did you get so good at really taking those steps to lead yourself so that you could help others do that same process? Mm. Self-leadership is not a term that I think is widely known yet. I believe that it is coming, but I believe that to lead others, we have to lead ourselves. And you don't have to have the title of manager or leader in your title, whether it be in your work or your community. We're all leading our lives. And there's a, a big amount of personal responsibility that I have when it comes to leading my life. And that kind of, for me, this is my own experience comes from, you know, my greatest fear is to live a life of regret. That is like my ultimate fear is to be on a deathbed or, or whatever, not to get too grim, but to look back and say, I wish I'd done more of this. I wish I'd lived more authentically myself. I wish I'd had the courage. I wish I'd had this. And so that is my motivator for leading my life and being intentional with living into my purpose. And so I got in 2020 really clear on what are my core values and they've shifted a little bit since then, but what are my core values? What is my sort of legacy that I want to leave behind? And what actually matters to me? The process before that, of course, was releasing a lot of those limiting beliefs that you, you know, you were mentioning, those negative voices, or not negative, but limiting voices that we have in our heads that tell us we can't do something or what I mean, self-doubt and comparison and all of the things that, you know, those thoughts come up for all of us. But it really took the discipline to manage those limiting voices and to choose to reframe the way I talk to myself. And I think, you know, the best way to coach is from experience, you know, not to put my own experience on other people, but I have felt lost and stuck and uninspired in my life. And I've made it through to the other side. And that's what I help people do. That's what I support clients in doing. I've lived the work so that I can lead the work. And it's really just come from the discipline to choose a new mindset and choose to act in a way that is so in alignment with what matters to me. Oh, there's so many great thoughts there. And I'd love to focus on all of them. I think I'll take a couple and we'll see where it goes because I don't know if we'll have to. And I'll let you listeners think about those and and ponder on those ones that matter to you. And maybe you can drop a note and say, you should have focused on this one more, Keith, and we'll go back and we'll have a- <laughs> We'll do another one. 
Yeah, we'll <laughs> drop more comments on it. But I, I really wanted to take and pause about this idea of comparison because mm. I love I love the idea of comparison as a limiting voice. And I like the way you framed that because comparison to me is lim- limiting voice in a couple of ways. And I'd love to get your thoughts more after I add why I think comparison is limiting voice. And I think you'll add way more depth to it. But for me, comparison is limiting voice because if I'm doing really well and I'm comparing myself to someone that isn't doing w- really well, I might limit myself from doing even better. Mm. If I'm not doing really well and I'm comparing myself to someone that's doing better than I'm doing, well, then I might think I might never measure up. And then I might fill myself with self-doubt, like you mentioned. And those are just two examples that I fall victim to and when I compare. And so I often talk to the youth that I work with, my team members at work and my girls about comparison and how it doesn't really serve a great purpose in our life. And I had a leader, a mentor of mine who was just phenomenal. And I didn't realize how to harness my competitive nature until he made this observational comment to me about how he appreciated how I used competition with self to Mm. make myself better. And then it just dawned on me that I didn't have to be competitive with others. I could be competitive with myself more. And I could use that instead of comparing myself to others, I could compare myself Mm. to my past self to get better and better. And that's when I really stopped being you know, competitive with others in a really hurtful and negative way and started to harness that competitive nature that I have in a way that was helpful and healthy. And it was all because someone made an observational comment in a way that was had nothing to do with, you know, my negative aspects of competition. It was yeah. that I'd never even observed about myself. So, and it had nothing to do with the limiting factors of comparison, but the helpful ones. So I w- I'm curious about mm-hmm. how you think comparison can be limiting and how we can then use those thoughts to benefit ourselves and grow. Yeah. Oh, what a great mentor. What a great thing that person highlighted for you. That's really cool. I love what you said about, you know, comparing yourself to someone who's not doing as well, which like, whatever, like what, who knows what the actual scale of success is? Like, it's so interpersonal to like what your own version of success is, but I know what you mean. Like if you're looking at someone, you're thinking I'm doing better and I'm using air quotes. So I'm doing better than that person. That might mean you're not going to apply yourself harder. You're not going to challenge yourself more or step into a bigger personality. I love that. I I hadn't really thought of it in that way. I think the very obvious way to think about comparison is when we see other people who are doing something that we want, or they're doing something quote unquote, again, air quotes, better than, than we are, then we feel a sense of inadequacy. And like the body sensation I have when I think of inadequacy is like kind of slumped over and it's like, why bother, you know, when this person's already doing what I want to do. I fall prey to that still to this day, like especially, and I think social media is not doing us a lot of favors when we don't use it correctly when it comes to comparison, you know, Social media is so curated and we always see everyone's best version of themselves and it can lead to like when you're slaying in bed, looking at a phone and someone's like doing this incredible thing and you're like, wow, I'm doing nothing with my life. You know, that's where it's just not healthy and we all know it intellectually and yet we still, you know, if we're not intentional, we fall prey to it. I have a practice of every Friday I go through and like unfollow 
a lot of people on social media. And it's really rooted in the feeling that I want to have when I see the content that I'm seeing. And that's just my own practice of like, how does this person make me feel or this account? It might not even be a person. How does this account make me feel? And if it's not pushing me towards my best self, and it's not making me feel in a way that I want to feel, then I'm not going to follow that. Like we have choice in that. And that's our sort of free will and agency. So I work with clients on creating a vision for their future. So five or 10 years out, sometimes shorter, if they're doing more shorter, like just shorter, yeah, shorter term vision work. I have found that having a vision for your life can really help when comparison starts to sneak in. Because when we find ourselves in comparison, it's really that we're moving towards their version of success or their vision, right? So having a clear vision can allow those things to pop up, those feelings of comparison, and then say, you know what? No, that's their vision. That's their future. That's their success. Mine's here. I have clearly stated this, and it can just help keep that sort of guiding light on what it is that matters and what we're working towards. And then additionally, having you know your core values so clear that when you see other people around you doing things, you can really reground and say, you know what, that's actually not in alignment with my core values. Maybe like, this is such a silly example, but like someone driving a really fancy car might make me feel like, ooh, I'm not doing as well. But material goods are not something that's important to me when I'm at my best self, right? And what I know to be my core values. And so I think having those really clear core values and having that vision crystal clear really supports when comparison comes in. And then the other thing I want to say is that when we allow our core values to challenge us for the good, so it's a little bit about what you were saying about like your competitive nature and using it for good. When we can look at our core values and say, maybe where am I not living into that as much as I would like to? Where do I have an opportunity to step up? Where do I have an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and ask yourselves those curious questions and get, don't be in judgment to yourself, right? We're all human. I don't, that's not a, being judgmental of yourself is not a, a valuable emotion, but get curious about what more is possible for you. How can you live more deeply into what you've decided or uncovered, discovered is important to you? So that's what comes up for me. It's like comparing myself in this moment to my best self. That's the comparison I want to live into. I just love that. And, you know, I think there's power in that reflection and that curiosity. You know, Mm -hmm. if we don't take the time to reflect and one of our companions on that climb in Gonzaga, the first guest on this podcast, Lori Mage, she talks about the need to reflect. And so we'll give her mm-hmm. a shout out because we both love her and, love her. but you know, she talks about creating a space where we can reflect and, you know, that's so valuable because if we don't do that, if we don't create that space where we can actually think about, you know, create the time to think about, you know, who we are, what our core values are that Alicia is talking about, you know, we, we might not ever realize what our alignment is, you know, that curiosity about what really matters to us, what what is inherently vital to me as a person, or to Alicia as a person, or to you who's listening as a person, you know, what drives you? Like for me, like there's things that just I have to have in my life to have that fulfillment. And all of us are that way. And so we have to take the time for that to matter. And Alicia's absolutely right. For each of us, it's a little bit different. And it's important as we get to know our teams to get to know that Mm -hmm. about each other too, because that's what's going to help us understand the viewpoints that we all bring to the teams. And that's what's going to help us harness the diversity of our teams in a way that Mm -hmm. truly matters. It's not going to be the the training that we get on diversity, equity, inclusion that 
is mandatory for organizations that the lawyers provide because they want to fulfill a legal requirement. The training that's really going to matter is when we learn those deeply embedded viewpoints of our diverse teams and where Mm -hmm. they're coming from. And when we do it from a place of respect and appreciation and trust. And when we Mm -hmm. do that, we can actually gain a deeper appreciation for each other and we can harness our processes in a deeper way because although my values might be inherent to me, they don't always mean that my values are going to create the best process. So they just mean that those are what matters to me to be have a fulfilling life, but I don't always create the best process. I'll be the first to admit that. So I think there's a lot of value in that steps of curiosity and reflection for ourselves and for others. And as Alicia, as you've coached others, what does that look like to help people grow into reflection and curiosity? It looks like them loving themselves more. And when we're in curiosity about ourselves and not in judgment, I mean, there's so much more respect and appreciation and levity that comes from that. You know, I like to think of this like judgment is something that keeps us stuck. When we provide an opportunity or we're disciplined enough to be in reflection and get curious about our needs and our wants and what matters to us, it's just like, there's like a lean forward that happens and a bit of like a hug, you know, like it's like, there's no judgment. It's just like, it's who you are and your human experience is perfect and, and get curious about what you need and what is possible for you. And it just looks like a deeper level of, of self-love. And that has a ripple effect to the people around you. That's so powerful. That is a wonderful thought. Self-love leads to a ripple effect to those around you. I'll be thinking about that one for a while. And and that's a lot different than, you know, narcissism, right? That's a different Mm. type of a feeling. That's a different thing that we're talking about here. So it's a deep feeling of appreciation and respect that leads to a deeper love for the people around you as well. That's it. That's it. And which is the essence of servant leadership, I would yes would say. So, you know, and that's, I think what we need to realize and, and what, and going back to Lori again, she said, quoting Kuz's and Posner's book, the, the secret sauce to leadership is love. You know, that's, yeah. you need to recognize that, that for, especially for servant leadership, the secret sauce truly is love. Leading self, the secret sauce truly is love. And so, mm. so many of us, have faced, whether it be home life that we grew up in, that we had some toxic environments or even just less nourishing environments, whether they weren't toxic, they just weren't what what we needed to grow and nourish completely, or whether we met some sort of limiting characteristic outside of our home life, or even if we met the horrible things that happen in life that led to some form of abuse that are horrible, but really created some sort of barrier or boundary that have created a hardship to create love for yourself. That love is necessary. And I would say to you, whoever's listening, those things don't define you. They are not you. Those are things that happened to you, but you have an inherent worth that is worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And I hope you find it. Beautifully said. One of the things that I, I remember following you after we climbed, Alicia, going, celebrating some of your successes, which I want to talk about. And I remember I'm following you and all of a sudden there was this, at the time, many people on the podcast will probably know this clothing company, although some of them still probably don't, they'll have to look it up. But I remember 
it was probably a little over a decade ago. All of a sudden, I see Alicia Wolf gets this amazing opportunity where she's now joins this company called Arcteryx. I followed them, but they weren't very well known back then. And I was pretty excited for Alicia. This was a pretty big opportunity. She was what could be considered somewhat young, but I was excited. And I wanted to talk about this because this was a phenomenal opportunity. I think it was really good for your growth and your career path. And I think there's a couple of things we could hit on celebrating other people's successes and also what this did for you. And, you know, also acknowledging that Arcteryx, and I know a little bit about this story, so I can lead into this a little bit, but Arcteryx recognized that they had a need and they went out and mm-hmm. found the right person for their need. And they didn't really look at limiting factors. They just were like, we want a person that's going to fill our need. And we're not worried about things like age or this. We want the person we need. And I think that there's a lot of power in in looking for people and not looking at characteristics Mm. that limit us, whether it be age, ethnicity, race, these things that we sometimes create these biases for and finding people that are really going to be the best qualified person to move our organization forward. And I think Mm. our characters really showed us a valuable trait here. And so I just wanted you to talk about this experience you had to Arcteryx and what it meant for you and what you learned from it. Oh my gosh, I could talk about it for 10 hours, but we'll give the, I'll give the cliff notes. Um, yeah, such an incredible opportunity. So yes, about a year after we did our mountain summit, I believe that's the correct time. Yeah, about a year afterwards. So in 2013, I got an email uh, via LinkedIn saying from a recruiter saying, I work for Arcteryx and we, they had us uh, up until that point been a exclusively commercial and e-commerce business, but had made the decision to move into retail, direct to consumer and, and brick and mortar retail. In my experience, my career had been exclusively in retail. But the thing I think is what made them reach out to me was that my profile photo on LinkedIn was us at the top of Mount Adams. So I think in their mind, I was this avid outdoors woman, mountaineer, you know, badass outdoors person. And I wasn't, (laughs) simply put, you know, I rented all the gear for our mountain summit. That's what they didn't see. And so what was very cool was for, for them to kind of reach out and say, yeah, we, you'll be the first, we haven't done this before. And you have experience that looks like what we're looking for. And the other thing I want to say is sort of like dress for the job you want. You know, you've heard that saying dress for the job you want. Update your LinkedIn profile photo for the job that you want, because apparently that worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) I fit the brand, or at least they thought I did. And then they learned that I didn't, you know, they learned that I wasn't that person that I think they thought that I was, or there was an assumption that was made. And you know, to be honest, there were a lot of people that doubted. There were a lot of people that doubted if I was the right fit within the company that doubted, and not a lot, a couple that doubted it. And, you know, I wasn't core, hardcore enough, and I wasn't going to fit the brand. And I was so grateful to have a, a mentor and a leader, the person that hired me said that stuff doesn't matter. The stuff that matters is the experience and the other brand fits, you know, like the interpersonal skills and um, the ability to do the job. That's what matters. And so, you know, what I want to say about that is that when there were a lot of people or people around me were doubting my ability, I had to block that out 
and I had to lean into my intuition and and run the businesses and run, you know, build the businesses rather in the way that I knew how to do, despite maybe not knowing exactly how to do it for this type of industry. So I think it was very cool that ArcTX was able to say, we don't have anyone internal that is able to do this and, and we're looking external. And, and that led me to my most wonderful career experience I could have asked for. And it's important that when we don't know how to do something that we can lean into our intuition and trust ourselves that we actually do know how. So it was a beautiful experience. And um, I, yeah, it absolutely was probably one of the top four best decisions I ever made was to say yes to that opportunity. I just love it. I remember being so excited for you because I knew you and I was like, man, what a wonderful, I knew this was going to set you up for a great path of success after that. And you know, I think this is a great illustration of how we should look at people around us. You know, you mentioned in the organization, once people realized, okay, it wasn't everything we'd hoped for in the packaging <laughs> and we're like, okay, <laughs> it wasn't as advertised. And so there were little reservations, but you know, you had some people that were like, no, I think we got what we wanted. Let's give this a try. And I, that's as servant leaders, we have to give people a chance and mm-hmm. let them show us what they're capable of. And that's what I think we, we celebrate people's successes and celebrate people for who they are and who they can become and help levitate them as, as Alicia says, and help them rise up. And I think that when we do that, people can achieve amazing things. And yes. people at Arcteryx helped help surround her and help her do amazing things at this wonderful company. And if you don't know who Arcteryx is, they're an amazing clothing brand, an outdoor clothing brand that they make amazing products. They're a little expensive, so they're definitely on the high end of, of outdoor clothing <laughs> brands, but they their quality is superb. So you're definitely getting totally. a superb product when you buy it. So um, I didn't get paid for that advertising, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you I guess know. I kind of did, but not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alicia, she, she might have, but I didn't. So I just uh, was a fan. So, but what I will say is, we also get people in our organizations that can hold us back, though sometimes. And you do have to mm. figure out how you can silence those voices around you and surround yourself with the people that are going to support and help you move forward and keep those voices at bay because. You're never, ever going to silence all the voices or win over all the voices in your organization. There's always mm-hmm. going to be somebody that's not going to be excited about your success. There's, mm-hmm. They might be disappointed because they didn't get the chance, or they might be disappointed because they didn't get those opportunities in their own career. Mm-hmm. And so they might mm-hmm. step in and try to hold you back because they didn't get those same opportunities. In the officer world of the military, we'd have it all the time where they would hold people back because they didn't get those same opportunities. Well, we don't have to be leaders like that. We can be leaders Mm -hmm. of people, the opportunities that we didn't have before because we want people to do better. I view it like being a parent as a servant Mm -hmm. leader. Oftentimes, parents want their children to have it better than they had it before them. As leaders, we should view it the same way. We should want the people we lead to have it better than us. So we should look for opportunities to help them rise up and do better than we we did because we didn't have those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting is the ultimate 
servant leadership. And what I also hear too is, you know, there's this view of there's a scarcity mindset when it comes to success, right? Like there's not enough success or there's not enough opportunities. And that's not true. Like there's an abundance of success and we create our own success and our, you know, version of success might look different than somebody else's and that's okay. Those can coexist together. So I I think you're absolutely right. It's that it's not that we want to sort of like close the door behind us. There's there's ample amount of opportunity for everyone. And we are all better when we lift one another up. Yeah, I totally agree. I had a good friend of mine that I went to elementary school, junior high school and high school with on the podcast who played football for the University of Hawaii. And he's been doing great things. And he came on the podcast and I named his episode after one of the things he said. And he said that all might have a larger piece from a larger pie. And yeah. it goes to that scarcity mindset. It, it, we don't have to think that way. We don't have to think that we're all eating from one small pie and that we have to mm. fight over the scraps. We, we need to think of a bigger pie and yes. look for more opportunities, not less. And I just love yeah. that mindset. Yeah. I, it goes back to that comparison that we were talking about, right? Like if there's an abundance of opportunity, we don't have to compare ourselves to other people. We don't have to sort of cut off the the success possibility for those people. We can all be successful and we can all eat the same big pie, you know? And one thing that you have to realize too, that I, I think is hard for some people that don't have a servant leadership mindset, but when the people around you are thriving, you're thriving too. When you're helping other people maximize their opportunities, it creates an environment where everyone's rising together yeah. and it sheds a beautiful light on everybody in your organization. Mm-hmm. And it creates that levity that Alicia is talking about and that possibility where everybody starts to see the world in new eyes. Yeah, I think we have to look for opportunities where we can do that for people, whether it be in a boardroom or a hiring panel or a, a coaching, you know, set situation like mine or in your, your setup as well. We have to look for opportunities like that. But what has to come first is that ability to love yourself, your authentic self, and that ability to be confident enough in yourself that you can create those opportunities for other people, you know, or maybe not confident enough in yourself, but there's a level of self-love and comfort that you have to have to be able to, you know, and then we can start creating opportunities for others. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, I want to issue two challenges this episode, and then we're going to have a couple more questions for Alicia. But the two challenges I want to issue today, because I think they're both important for this conversation we're having. And the first is this, I want everybody to think about and take the time to reflect and write down at least two or three core values. Just really reflect and kind of think about and jot down two or three of their core values. And then the second challenge I want you to think about is how are you doing at creating possibilities for yourself and the people around you. So think about that. I love it. I'm All right. Them down. One thing that I think about too, as you create possibility, and I know this is big on one of your goals for people, is creating transformation. And so mm-hmm. when you look at people and helping to see them and help them to see themselves for who they can become, what does transformation in your mind look like? And how do you then help people visualize that? Transformation to me looks like people stepping into their most authentic selves and loving it. So transforming 
their lives. And it doesn't have to be so, you know, for your listeners, and and I think you said this at the top of the call, but we recently in the last year sold our house and everything we own. And we now travel the world with our two little daughters. And that came from the clarity in what matters to us, what we're good at, and then stepping into that and, and choosing courage. And I think that's something that I'm exploring right now is that this idea that, and I wish I'd known it earlier, is that courage comes before confidence. Confidence is, is an act of doing something, right? It's not a feeling necessarily. It's this idea that we have to be courageous to try something and new. And then that's when the confidence comes. So when I quit my job, my very stable job that I loved very much and sold our home to step into this new lifestyle that we have, I didn't know all the answers. I There were many voices in my head that said, I don't know if this is the correct thing to do. And I did it anyway. And we took the leap and we leaned on our values and our intuition and our vision and all of the tools that we have. And now I'm a co- now I'm confident in that decision. But there were moments of self-doubt. And so I think transformation comes when we have the courage to try, try something new and try something different and try something that might be more authentic to what we want and what we love. That is so inspiring. Courage comes before confidence. That's a great thought and so true. So true. As I was, I was thinking about that, as you were explaining it, and as you added some depth to that thought, just so profound. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about one of the things I read at Gonzaga, and I think about this often. And as I consider my own path, as I finish up this doctorate, and I think about the right time to make my own transition. And one of the things I read was when we we realize that we are not in the right place vocationally and we aren't committed we hold those around us hostage mm. we go to work and we don't you know we don't necessarily do our best work we might not be fully committed and other people have to pick up the slack mm-hmm. and that's not okay some you know that's not being a servant leader that's that's right you know and so i want to kind of c- capture that because you know i want to recognize that not all of us have the luxury of being bold and courageous and stepping out, you know, financially and, and yeah. doing these things. But I think we do all have the luxury of reframing our mindset and recognizing that it's not okay to hold the people around us hostage. That yeah. if we're, we, we do have the luxury of choosing to be courageous and choosing to be present where we are and choosing mm. to be a servant leader of ourselves as Alicia's talked about so, so wonderfully and being a valuable team member wherever we are yeah. and, and then building ourselves up to when we can be courageous to making that transition. If we're truly not vocationally where we know we need to be, once we've done that activity of assessing our core values and we know we're not where we need to be, if we go in day in and day out and give of our full self, we'll get to a point where we can make that transition and take the courage mm-hmm. step and go where we need to be. And I'll kind of, I'll give you a little background on, on myself. I retired from the Coast Guard in September and I knew that I needed to take a, a job for now while my to give my daughter the opportunity to have this amazing, this amazing opportunity to go to a really prestigious arts school to finish her high school experience, our youngest daughter. And I really have these aspirations to do different things with my career, but I just had these strong feelings that I needed to wait. But now was not my time to do what I wanted to do. And I needed to give my daughter her moment 
to do her thing. And then when she went off to college, I could re reassess and reevaluate. And for right now, my courageous thing is to step into my my moment and be courageous and let her shine and do my job to the best of my ability. But once I finish this doctorate and I do this job and she goes off to college and maybe I reassess and I take a courageous bullet step like Alicia here. And then I go do other things and build profound educational and training environments for developing nations or underprivileged and underrepresented communities like I really want to do. And so, you know, that's what I I have this vision for, but you never know. We'll see what happens. But I do know that Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about it and keep assessing and I keep stepping into my job as I want, as I want to. And that's what we have the opportunity to do is mm-hmm. be present in the moment and be attuned and reflective upon our core values so that we know when the right time is to make those moves. That's Cause, right. Cause I think Alicia has modeled that for us is knowing, you know, these getting these amazing opportunities like she did at Arcteryx, which I know she loved, but then knowing mm-hmm. when it's time to make the right moves and that's important. Yeah. And doing it from a place of choice and not obligation or, you know, allowing, I don't, I don't know if this would have happened at Arcteryx. It was such a wonderful career experience, but getting to a place where I, I was resentful because I wasn't leaning into what I truly wanted to do. Right. And you're right. I have a massive amount of privilege for being able to do this. And it was the perfect timing because the, my intuition was telling me it's t- like, go. Right. And I got to be in choice about it. And I love what you said about courage right now is is choosing to prioritize your daughter's opportunity right now. Very relatable. I think courage is just defined in so many different ways and transformation happens over and over and over. Yeah, we've just transformed our lives last, you know, last summer to do this. And I'm already seeing where we'll be transforming it again, you know, and just knowing that nothing is permanent and to be curious and trusting, you know, Keith, you to be trusting your intuition that when the time comes that you'll know what is correct to do. Well, I just love it. And the one last question I want to ask before we wrap up is how, as you lead others and kind of bring people along, how do you build lasting partnerships with people? Oh, I mean, I think I just build lasting partnerships with every single person that I meet. I have a tendency to go sort of all in on relationships with people but in the in sort of the client and coach relationship, I would say, I mean, as partnership is actually a core value of my of my coaching business, Integrate Well is partnership. And how I define that is like, I'm locking arms with you like every step of the way. This is not, I'm going to just give you this piece of paper and you're going to go do it on your own. Like I feel equally invested in your success. So I'm with you every step of the way of your transformation, of your growth, of your journey to your authenticity, like I'm in it with you. And, you know, I sort of visualize either like an arms locking or even just like a, like a gentle sort of like back nudge, you know, like I'm here, I'm with you. You're not in this alone because we're stronger together than we are individually. What's that saying? It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And that's how I would define it. That's how I define partnership. And it's so important to have somebody in your corner with you because sometimes we need someone to believe in us before we believe in ourselves. And I've been there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I knew we were running short on time, but I had to ask Alicia that last question because she is so good at partnerships and I've stayed connected with her all this time. And I just have watched her grow and be an inspiration to me. And I know she creates this valuable impact wherever she goes. And so I had to hear her or say something about partnerships because I just knew it would be great. As so many of her comments have been today, it's been such a privilege having her on today. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up today, Alicia? 
It's been a beautiful conversation. I appreciate you and to think about, you know, how I remember you being such the cheerleader for me on that mountain. And when we got to that false summit, do you remember when we got to that, like, fault? we're like, we see it, we got there. And then you get to the false summit. It's like, and we got to go back down and back up. And I just remember like you were there encouraging me and the rest of the group every step of the way. And your, your optimism and your resiliency rubbed off on all of us. It was contagious for all of us. So no doubt you're bringing that in every aspect of your life too. So I just, yeah, I thank you for that. Well, thanks so much, Alicia. And I'm glad that I could amplify your voice today. And thanks all of you for joining us. Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast and send it to someone who may benefit from this, who could Mm -hmm. be challenged by reflecting and thinking more about their own core values because they can lead themselves in more profound ways. And thanks for joining us on another episode of the All Might Be Edified Discussions on Servant Leadership and have a wonderful day. 